0: prodigy maker show with chris lewitt chris lewitt is an internationally recognized high performance coach educator and author of two best-selling books the tennis technique bible and the secrets of spanish tennis tune in weekly as chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development technical and tactical training spanish tennis methods and philosophies and more the Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris.
1: What's up, amigos? It's the Prodigy Maker Show, episode 39. We're back. It's Chris Lewitt broadcasting live from Vermont in a new place. And I got to tell you, I'm happy to be out of New York City right now. It is not good in New York City. And it's a lot better up here in the mountains, I'll tell you that much. But I wanted to check in with all my old friends. The audience that I miss so much it has been over a month since the last podcast and show. And I apologize to all the loyal fans. But what can I say? It's pandemic, baby. It's been tough. It's been chaos. I had to get my family out of New York. And now we're all holed up in the mountains here, where it's a lot more peaceful and a lot less stressful. So I'm happy to be back on track with the show. I'm excited to talk about How Much Should My Kid Train, an ode to Tony Nadal. Tony Nadal talks about your kid a lot when he's doing coaching seminars and teaching. So he says, your kid should do this, your kid should do that. So this show is an ode to Tony, and it's how much should your kid or my kid, how much should my kid train, and I wanted to go through some of the experiences that I've had in terms of workload, and volume of training, because I think many times parents and coaches get it wrong. And it's probably a, one of the key factors in determining whether someone becomes a champion or not is managing their workload and making sure that a player doesn't overtrain and also doesn't undertrain. And I think it's a very underrated skill. So the, the best, uh, probably the best developers in the world whether their parents or coaches are able to manage that workload the training load well and in other cases in many cases the parents and coaches make mistakes with workload and their kids get hurt or burned out or they don't achieve their full potential so I think the workload is critical and we'll talk about how much your or my kids should be training. I guess I have some, I may have some unique takes on that. So I'm looking forward to seeing who will check in tonight. It's Sunday night. This brings back the memories. This is our second year of the podcast and show, and we used to broadcast every Sunday night, late night. And so it's kind of exciting to be back on broadcasting Sunday night. Maybe some old friends will tune in. And we'll have to get back into a rhythm again now that I'm getting more settled up here in Vermont. I think I'll be able to broadcast uh, pretty much weekly. We, we used to do the show weekly, if three or four times a month. And this is our 39th episode. So we should be able to get back on track with a weekly or at least semi uh, bi weekly schedule. So let's talk about how much your kids should train. And if you think about young kids, I wanted to go through kind of the ages briefly. And if you have a young kid who's just starting out, let's talk about how many hours per week. And that's a common question. I have another question in the email grab bag tonight is how many balls should a player hit per year and per day? I have a great question from Scott. At the Payer and Players podcast, which is, by the way, an excellent podcast for you guys to check out uh, on junior development. There's not too many good podcasts on junior development. That's one that's very good, Payers and Players. So Scott sent, sent me a question about how many balls you should be hitting. I'll try my best to answer that, although I'm not a mathematician. I am a tennis coach. But when you have a little kid, I think you want them to play as much as they, they want to play. And I don't believe in holding a kid back. So when coaches or leaders in the tennis industry say uh, a kid such and such an age, let's say five years old, should only play you know, three days a week or three hours a week and then do other sports or blah, blah, blah. I mean, everything for me is based on the individual kid, the kid in front of you. You could have a five-year-old that wants to play every day, and loves the game and I will be fine with that and you could have a five-year-old who you're just trying to get Exposed to the sport. You're trying to initiate them in the sport and they might Just play uh, one group a week or two groups a week with their friends Sometimes with little kids. It's better to do a group. They have more fun with their friends I really love private lessons for young kids, I think private lessons, all, all my Spanish mentors are going to be upset with me for saying it, but I, I really like private lessons because as a coach you can focus on one player in front of you and give them your everything, you can motivate them, you can see everything, get to know them and your, your focus is not distracted and, and separated, divided among many kids. So I love, from a coaching and a development point of view, I love uh, private lessons. I think little kids, if if they're willing to take a private lesson one-on-one, I think it can be really valuable with a good coach, obviously. But how many hours, how many balls, It it depends on the kid in front of you. Just please, if you're a parent or a coach, you can push a little bit, but don't push too much, because if you push too much, the kid's probably going to... Play something else. Probably gonna find something else that they wanna, they they would rather do than than be forced to play tennis. But I, I think it's perfectly acceptable. On the other hand, if a child loves the game and wants to play, let's say daily, maybe they want to play five hours a week with a little kid, five, six, seven years old. That's perfectly appropriate. Maybe they want to play ten hours a week. I would think that's appropriate too. It reminds me of the debate about whether kids should play multiple sports or not, which is the topic for another show, perhaps. But you know, if you have a question on multiple sports, let me know. I've written up many articles on on multiple sports development for young children, but it's it's kind of a separate topic, but related. And I think I would, as I've said before, I would never force a kid to play multiple sports if they didn't like other sports. If they love tennis, I would let them play tennis and hopefully get them as as far ahead as i could in tennis relative to their peers if a child if a child likes a lot of sports has other interests besides tennis i think it's very healthy at a young age to play other sports and that will cut into the training time i mean it has a direct effect on how much how many hours the kids training on the court if they like to play baseball and soccer and that's going to affect the amount of hours that a kids playing at a young age so from the very beginning, you have to assess, does this kid have the tunnel vision at a young age? They want to do tennis. They know they want to play tennis. They love tennis. They're obsessed about tennis. I have a little boy like that now who his whole life is tennis. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. It may be a little abnormal. It's, it's certainly not the norm. But whenever you're dealing with a prodigy, uh, an exceptional young child, things aren 't going to be normal, things are going to be beyond the what 's typical so i 'm always on the lookout for something special, a special desire, a special passion in a kid, and I like to encourage that. I like to let that flourish rather than extinguish it. I think sometimes when you deal with sports science recommendations and the experts quote unquote they give they give well meaning guidance well meaning advice, but sometimes they can extinguish the flame of passion and so the, the special spark that prodigies have. And I would, I would always encourage you as a parent or coach to be on the lookout for something really special in a young kid. If a kid loves the game, has a tremendous passion and fire for tennis, a tremendous love of the game, to try to let them explore that that game as much as possible In in this case tennis to play as many hours as they like as long as you can keep them healthy and that's also another topic for another show injury prevention i think and managing burnout are also related topics here in this discussion about how much to train you should be careful uh because you 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 want to work a kid hard. You want to give them a lot of exposure to the game. You want to have them hit thousands of balls, but you also want to keep them healthy and keep them hungry to keep coming back to the court. And so that is a, a, another discussion, that, but it's also a very important discussion. So with a little child, typically, what's typical? Introduction to the game. Kid maybe plays in a group for fun. This is maybe the only time where I find it's acceptable to play tennis games. I did want to mention that I really don't like tennis games because for me, I think tennis is the game. Tennis is a great game. I don't think you need to have all of these fun country club games to make the sport exciting for a kid, to, to catch a kid's interest. I think if, that's, if you have to do those types of games a lot with a young kid, they're probably not going to be prodigious in the game of tennis. They, they probably are not going to have that Uh, that love of the game, that deep love of the game. Although sometimes if you you can hook a kid with stupid and silly tennis games, then later on the idea is maybe they they will grow in their love of the game, maybe when they're between 10 and 14, for example, those ages. But I really don't like the stupid country club games that most clubs do. And most initiation coaches, coaches who work with young children, I just wish they would promote tennis and expose kids to tennis. Tennis is a wonderful game. We have singles. We have doubles. It's really fun. That's why we all love tennis. That's why I love tennis. That's why you love tennis, if you're in the game of tennis. You don't need to play jail. You don't need to play fruit salad. You don't need to have an arsenal of a hundred silly games that you play with kids to try to get them hooked. That's what you do with kids who really aren't into the game and you just want to keep them busy and you got to do that for your club to make the director happy and for the bottom line of the club. But that to me is, it's not what I'm about at all. I, I don't care about that stuff. What I like is you get the little kids, you get a young kid and you teach them tennis. Tennis means you play sets. You teach them how to play a set right away. You teach them how to play a tiebreaker if you want to break the the match down a little bit, something small and manageable. You teach them how to score. Tennis has a weird scoring system. I don't really like it that much. Little kids don't they don't get it. And I don't blame them. It's kind of a stupid scoring system. I usually tell young kids, I say, here, I'm going to teach you this scoring system, but it's kind of, it's kind of stupid because it goes 15-30 and then it should go 45, but it goes 40. And then the little kids looking at you like, what is going on here, bro? And I'm like, I know, but that's just the way tennis is. It's probably somebody over in France back in the day wanted to play, you know, April Fool's on us, you know, but, so I, I like to introduce the game of tennis to children because we love tennis. You don't have to gussy up tennis. You don't have to put lipstick on tennis. Tennis is a great sport. So I just think when, you, when you're trying to – I, find it, I th- find it very amusing when I go to conferences or I see coaches who spend a lot of time – I'm not going to name who I'm thinking about. Right There's one dude from England who I'm thinking about right now who spends his whole career coming up with games – and making tennis gamified, which I find very ironic and amusing because tennis is a wonderful game itself. It doesn't need to be sweetened up. It doesn't need, you don't need to put honey on it to attract children. I think if you just play tennis and teach the kids tennis, they'll either love tennis or they won't because one of the greatest joys of playing tennis is just hitting the ball just love just loving to hit the ball to make that sweet contact and to see the ball go and to get you know to get that sweetness that's sweet you don't need to make it you don't need to sugarcoat tennis any more than that if you get a kid playing the game of tennis and experiencing what it feels like to hit a sweet ball that should be enough you know and and there are other aspects of tennis that are wonderful like the fact that it's one on one and you don't have to deal with with team politics and things like that, but I think we should teach kids tennis. And if you have a young child, let them play tennis every week. Because you may think they're playing tennis, but they're going to a club and they're doing those stupid country club games, and they're not actually learning tennis. They're learning some strange travesty of tennis, you know, some strange uh, amalgam of tennis like skills and games it's very strange to me it's a strange world the country club I don't get it so theoretically, maybe those kids at five six seven after years of of that kind of stuff they somehow develop this love for the game between the ages of ten and fourteen maybe when they get more mature, maybe maybe there's some kids like that but I think you can make tennis fun, and tennis is fun. So if you're going to play three times a week with your child or have your child play three times a week, make sure they're playing tennis. That means, have they played a set? Do they know how to play a set? What is a set? A lot of kids have been taking lessons for years. They don't know what a set is. They never played a set. I get kids come to me, the parents say, oh, we've been taking lessons for three, four years. The kid's like eight years old or nine years old kid doesn't know how to serve, maybe doesn't even know how to keep score. You know, what kind of tennis is this? Is this ten- It's not tennis that I, that I know, because tennis means you play a set. You know how to play a set. That's what's fun about tennis. You know, now that I'm semi-retired, you know, I haven't been competing in a few years, and I, I miss it. You know what I really love to do? is play set. Play sets with my students. Now that that's fun, and it's kind of it's kind of a, a a secret joy of mine. A student, I say, a student says, "Hey, can we play some points?" And I say, "Hey, let's play a set. We don't have to play some stupid game. I mean, of course, sometimes you want to make tennis a little more interesting. Maybe just spice things up for a kid if you've been playing a lot of sets, or you know, maybe you're you're in an off season or or." or preseason and and so there are, there are great games that coaches develop for for different you know tactical and technical reasons but but mostly right mostly i think playing sets and tiebreakers the things that you're going to play in a tournament the the things that make playing doubles it's a lot of fun for for a lot of kids to play doubles that's tennis we don't need more than that we already have enough right there and i think it's funny when coaches are, are, are developing academy programs and they have a big book of games that they play, you know, lots and lots of different baseline games and different situations. And I have my own that I like, different baseline points, different, you know, cross-court down-the-line games and geometric patterns and all sorts of games with serve and return. And, and I, I just think many times coaches miss the essence of what tennis is it's it's the game it's the great sport and if you want to develop a player have them play sets if they get tired of single sets have them play some double sets if they're a little tired of playing sets all the time have them play some tiebreakers to me that is a good training regimen and that's what should be filling up your week so getting back to young kids you know under 10 Five, six, seven, or or as you get older, to eight, nine, or ten, are, have them play sets. You can have a five-year-old learn how to play a set. It, it might be a mini tennis set. Have them play a set. You don't need to play fruit salad. You don't need to play jail or around the world or God knows what other game. You know, somebody with a very creative mind cre- developed to entertain children. Tennis is the entertainment. Maybe I'm getting off on a little rant here but I just think children when they're young should play tennis you teach them how to play tennis the game of tennis so if you're playing three hours a week five hours a week is it in a crappy group where the kids are spending half the time in those little groups the kids are doing these stupid calisthenics they're rolling the ball back and forth to each other They're playing these tappity-tap games, you know, these little coordination games. That stuff is all well and good, but you could do that at home with your kid in the driveway. You don't need to pay someone money, a coach, to do that at a club, in my opinion. If you go for a tennis lesson, you should be hitting balls with a racket, not with your hand, not throwing the ball back and forth, you know, little catch games and things like that. Your kid should play tennis. You sign up for an hour of tennis then your kid should have a racket in their hand. They should be learning how to swing the racket, hit the ball, and probably most importantly, play the game. So it's fun because once they learn how to play the game, they're going to say, hey, this is a cool game. This is a really cool game. You don't have to spice it up too much with the, with the games that start to, you know, just, are just there for entertainment of a child, you know? Yeah, Ben Sterner's on the program tonight. What's up, Ben? You know what I'm talking about. You kind of came to mind here with that experience you had with your young child at your club in Connecticut, and it was very similar to what I'm talking about here. And I didn't mean to make that connection, but it, it, it is apparent that you've experienced exactly what I'm talking about. I see we have some old friends on the program. Jerry Malfay, what's up, buddy? Kiran Kumar, it's great to have you guys waving on the show. Episode 39, I'm back, excited to be with you guys. Sunday night, this is bringing back the memories, Sunday night. So, you know, a young kid, anywhere from three to five hours a week, probably with initiation, and then as they get more serious, usually, you know, this is typical for a, a more um, serious kid and it's starting to get into competition, probably to around 10 hours per week of tennis, you know, and probably another sport. If they like another sport, they're probably playing. You know, maybe soccer, or maybe martial arts, or maybe they like basketball. That's fine. I like two sports. I think two sports is really healthy. I've written a lot of, a lot of articles about this. If you check my blog, prodigymaker.com. Has anyone checked my blog lately? Because my blog is blowing up. We have hundreds of articles on there now. I have even articles from my old mentor, Gilad Bloom, on there. All of my articles, knowledge and wisdom from the great Spanish legendary coaches. I mean, I think it's an unbelievable blog. I don't think a lot of people know about it yet. It's all free. Prodigymaker.com. It's the blog for this show. So check that out if you have a chance. Prodigymaker.com, my free blog. Anyway, I've written a lot about this. You know, I think one, one sport cross training is great. And you have to do something for injury prevention. You should be working on athleticism with the kid. You should be working on flexibility, mobility. You should be working on their conditioning. Yeah, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. You want to join the show? Want to come say hello? There he is. Come on. Come say hello. How much do you train per week? We're talking about how much a kid should train. Uh, it's my son, Isaiah, he's 11 years old. Um, how many hours a week do we train? Hours. He's a serious cross-country runner. I, I don't know how many hours. I train like five days a week, though, usually. Five days a week and two days of rest? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, there you go. 11 years old, pretty serious runner. He's going to make nationals next year. He's a pretty, pretty fast kid. And... You know, we do about five days a week of his running, and two days of rest. I think that's pretty healthy for an 11-year-old. You know, it's not not over, not crazy. You know, we're not going over and above. Uh, we're not pushing the limits too much. We're not being too aggressive with his training. But he does a good try to do a good, solid five days a week, and he he only does. Maybe an hour, something, an hour range of running, and then we, do a, we try to do another hour of some type of uh, conditioning, strength and physical conditionings. So I think that's pretty light schedule for an 11 or 12 year old, to be honest. So getting to that age, 11 or 12, let's segue into as the kid gets more serious. After 10 years old, could be 10 hours a week, a very typical training regimen for a serious player, like a, a regionally ranked junior. To a national ranked junior is 10 to 15 hours a week. That's what I recommend to all my clients, all the families who I conference with. 10 to 15 hours a week of good tennis training. And that doesn't include tournaments. So that would, for me, would be the gold standard. And I call that part-time training. I think it's part-time because that's usually the amount of training you can fit into an after-school schedule. And once you start looking to go above that amount of hours per week, you're getting into a homeschool situation. You're getting into an online school situation. We did a great show on online schooling. I'm a big believer in that, in, in online and modified and hybrid schooling situations. The main reason I love it is it, because it allows you to maybe double those hours. So you could go up to 20 or 30 hours a week for a very, very serious player. And I'm talking about tennis, not physical conditioning. Physical conditioning is very important, usually in the ballpark of 5 to 10 hours a week of injury prevention and physical conditioning, maybe more in a, in a Spanish-type program. In Spain, they tend to do almost equal amounts of tennis and fitness training, which is very unusual for junior development. Most models of junior training are a lot more tennis than physical training. So in Spain they have a more balanced approach which has its positives and, and some people argue perhaps negatives. I I tend to like the, the more balanced hours of fitness and uh, tennis. So 10 to 15 hours a week is part-time and Full-time is 20 to 30 hours per week. So th- these are kind of the ranges for uh, a pretty serious player, maybe someone who's trying to qualify for nationals, and a kid who is already at the national level, maybe playing international tournaments and trying to become professional. And I think when you're looking to develop a professional player, you have somebody really serious who's, who loves the game and has a big dream of playing on the pro tour, the hours really should be between 20 and 30 hours a week of tennis, if you do the math, it's coming out to maybe five days a week times four hours minimum or six days a week times uh, three or four hours. So you get into the 18 to 24 hours of tennis range. I usually like to have one day off per week. I think that's important. I would not advise playing seven days consecutively, typically. Sometimes you can do it up to 14 days, but then take a rest uh, sort of staggered in between uh, 10 to 14-day uh, periods of training, but I, I think it's, it's, it's risky. And for some kids, they may need two days off per week. It, it, and this is where, as a parent or coach, you have to be very, very careful, and you have to really listen to your player and use, use your intelligence and use, you ask a lot of questions and really monitor them carefully so that you can make adjustments in the training. There's no one-size-fits-all one kid may develop to a high level on 15 hours a week, and another might need 25, and it, it, one player might get injured playing 10 hours per week, especially during certain phases of their growth and development. You have to be really careful when a player is going through puberty, when a player is maturing very quickly, very rapidly physically maturing because they're at high risk of injury. So there are different phases during a junior's career where you have to be very careful about how much you train them. And the best coaches and parents figure that out. They figure it out the easy way. They, they know, they, maybe they've studied sports science or they figure it out the hard way. Maybe their kid has an injury, maybe not a career-threatening injury, and then they learn to be more careful. So... You just have to be really careful. And there's no, you you can't say, okay, 10 years old, X amount, 15 years old, Y amount. It just doesn't work like that. Sometimes a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old who's really focused might train more than when they're 14 going through puberty. You know, It, it really depends on the child, where they are in their social and emotional development, where they are in their physical maturation. Are they in a growth phase or not? So are they injury prone or not, you know? So I have to say that you need to be adaptable and there's no one size fits all, especially when you start thinking about an elite player. But we know that there are general ranges. And in my experience, we're talking 10 to 15 for a player who wants to break out and be one of the best players in their section, you know, maybe top five or 10 in their section, and we're talking 20 to 30 hours, 30 hours maybe being on the high end. That would be six days a week times five hours, which is probably pushing the limit for most children. I would say you're at a risk of injury and burnout at, at that higher range. Uh, anywhere between 20 or 30 is, is, I think, typical. And you have to have at least, you know, Minimum five hours of of physical training, and usually it can go up to 10 or maybe 15. In Spain, you might see a schedule like 18 hours a week of tennis, 15 hours a week of physical. That's very typical in the Spanish model, which I like very much. And in an American model, sometimes it's, um, you know, more tennis, 20, 25 hours of tennis. And maybe only five hours of physical and, you know. You're going to get a, a very good ball striker that way, but they may not be the most fit. They may not be uh, as um, resilient when it comes to injury. So I think I think the Spanish have a very good perspective on, on the balance of training and workload, and we could learn a lot from them. One thing that I try to do is in my academy and with my students, I, I really encourage injury prevention. I encourage them to do a lot of physical training, and we try to balance out the hours of training so that there's not too much of an overweight into the tennis, You know that there's a good amount of off-court physical conditioning, and, and that can vary depending on the player. So I hope that helps you guys sort of think about how much should my kid train you kind of see it as, 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 a, as over the life cycle of a child, initiation when they're little, three, four, five years old, six, seven, eight years old, probably under ten hours per week, five to ten hours a week, and try to play real tennis. Try to try to play tennis. It's such a great game. His kid says, hey dad, I want to go play tennis. Don't go out and play silly games with them. Go in and play a set with them. Play a tiebreaker. Teach them teach them tennis. Play tennis. Oh, great. It's so much fun to play a set. I was saying that one of the great joys I have now is playing a set because I'm I'm semi retired. I still love to play. I'm still playing well. Thank God I'm healthy. And if a student says to me, hey, Chris, you want to play a set? Or I say, hey, you want to play a set? And they say, Yeah. I mean, that's that I, I really enjoy that now because it's like getting it's, it brings back the memories of competition for me. And just playing a set is good exercise and it it's exciting. I can sort of relive some of the experiences that I had on pro circuit in college. It brings back those those feelings again for someone who is not competing current i'm not competing currently so it's a lot of fun and i think you should try to foster that joy in your children just the simple joy of playing a set let's play a set what's a set oh, a set is a uh it's a match to 6 games you have to win 6 games win by 2 Let, let's just play a set or let's play lots of sets you know some of my students say you know, it's pandemic, and my students are, some of them are really struggling right now. Some of my students are in a better place. They left New York City, and they're able to practice. And I was trying to help them craft a training regimen during the crisis, and they didn't know what to do for their training. I said, what are you guys doing over there? I, you know, I had some students, in. You know, they left the, the diaspora of New Yorkers to different parts of the the northeast here, where they can uh, escape the stress and the pressure of New York City area. So anyway, I have some students, you know, and they they didn't know what to do. I said, "Why don't you guys play sets?" They said, "Oh, sets! <laughs> didn't think of that." <laughs> I didn't I didn't think of playing sets for practice. Like you know, the good old days when you you hear you hear you remember the stories of you know Connors and McEnroe and. The American legends, all, all the greats of the, you know, kind of, not just Connors and all, all the greats back in the day, you know, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. And what did they do for practice? Played sets, you know. play five sets a day, get tough. And there's no substitute for playing sets. You get fit, you work on all the shots that you need, you work on the, you feel the pressure. It, it simulates a match so that you're tough. There's just... There's no substitute for that. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Go right to the source, play tennis. Tennis is sets. You know, sets are beautiful, sets are a joy. I really believe that now. I said, ah, oh, I hope one of my students asked me to play a set this week, that would be awesome. And I think most coaches are so far removed from that. Most coaches are like, probably saying to themselves, God forbid I have to play this week, I'd rather just feed some balls. No! That's not where you want to be as a coach. That's Burnout City. That's where you lose your soul. Try to f- rekindle that joy in the game. Play sets with your students. Challenge them. I think that is uh, one of the lost joys of coaching, just to play with your, with your students. And, and they will thank you for it. Most of them will enjoy Some kids want to drill. You have to know that too. Some kids don't want to play as much. They need the drills. You have to know as a coach Or a parent, which kid will enjoy playing a set with you and which kid, while they're playing a set with you, is just thinking about, man, I wish I could, wish coach would feed me some forehands right now. I really need to work on it. You know, you don't want to be playing sets with that kid, by the way. Just a little piece of advice for the young coaches out there. You got to know who you're coaching. Are you coaching a magician or are you coaching a mechanic? Magicians love to play, baby. They love to play. So pandemic, I I did want to touch on pandemic training because a lot of us are still in a semi-lockdown situation, maybe don't have access to the tennis courts, although it's starting to get better now, a a lot of areas are opening up their tennis courts, still not so much in New York City, New Jersey, tri-state area here, Connecticut, it's pretty bad uh, here here in, in those areas. A lot of the parks are still closed. Kids are having a real tough time playing tennis. So during, during pandemic time, if you can't play tennis, you should be doing a lot of physical training. So you're not going to get your 10 hours or 15 hours a week of tennis. You're certainly not going to get 20 to 30 hours of tennis. So I had a couple students who they weren't able to play a lot of tennis and I said, to, you know, I said to my students, I, I'm coaching a lot of kids on Zoom, for example. I'm doing Zoom training with my students who are locked down, and it's been really cool. It's been a great experience, actually. I, I think I'm innovating. I'm, I'm really leading the online community in, in synchronous tennis coaching. I coach kids at home in their driveway, in their garage, in their living room, and we're using the iCoach device, which is like a ball machine. At home, it, it's it's a machine that holds a ball on a on an arm, and you can hit it repeatedly like a ball machine. But you don't have to pick up balls, so I'm able to do a lot of technical and footwork training remotely using the Zoom platform. And it's been really eye-opening for me. I've been making connections and a lot of improvements in the technical side, technical skills of my players. So. You know, I've been doing some Zoom training, but I always ask my students who are locked down, I say, what are you doing for physical? And usually they say to me something like, well, you know, I've been working out a couple times a week. That's very common. Yeah, I've been, I've been lifting some weights, you know, maybe doing a few exercise videos. To me, that is not nearly enough volume of training during pandemic. If you're serious about keeping your edge and and coming back strong, the volume of workload should be in the range of 10 to 15 hours a week, and a lot of that needs to be cardio. Because as I said in a previous show, I think it was the last show episode 38, cardio is king right now. For anyone who's locked down or quarantined or isolated, you got to keep your cardio up. That's why I think that if it, it, that kids need to go out to like to run or to bike or you know that that type of thing and i i find that most kids who are locked down right now my students i'm noticing that they they're lifting some weights but they're not doing enough cardio they're not doing nearly enough volume to stay competitive with the kids let's say kids in Texas or kids in Georgia Or kids that have a private court. You know, some kids are lucky they have a private court that they've been able to train on every day. And I think the only way to stay competitive and close to those kids is for you to be going into beast mode at home. That might mean 10, 15, 20 hours a week of fitness. And that number is mind-boggling to most of my students. They can't even wrap their minds around it. And I, I think most players right now who are stuck in a bad situation at home in an apartment in a small house or something like that no no outdoor space is they're probably doing something in the range of 5 to 7 hours a week maybe of of gym of of exercise i i think that's not nearly enough and at a minimum it should be let's say twice a day 2 hours a day 1 hour can be your gym work to get stronger you know strength and conditioning and the other hour should be some Pretty intense cardio. Either it could be long distance cardio, it could be something with interval training, could be some high intensity training. But but really, the day should be split up between uh, a session of cardio, let's say an hour, a session of strength and conditioning, let's say an hour. And ideally, you have an eye coach, or you have a great base backboard in your garage, an eye coach in your living room, and you're doing some tennis skill development, you're you're hitting the ball, you know, maybe a couple hundred times a day. So maybe that would be three hours to maintain some sort of competitive edge and and to not fall too far behind the kids who are hitting on a private court every day, or maybe their club is open or their their public courts are open. Different parts of the countries have courts that are open. So in my mind, I, I hate to say it because I know that, Many families during pandemic are overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. I have four kids. I have a little baby. All my kids are online schooling now. They're homeschooling. It's just chaos in our household. And I know how hard it is. I'm having a hard time with this myself. I have my daughter who I don't think has been training as much as I would like. You know, we're lucky to get one gym session in for her and one. She's a wrestler, so she doesn't need quite as much cardio. But we're lucky to get one wrestling session in and one gym session, and I don't think that's enough to, for her to maintain as much of an edge as I'd like against the kids who maybe have a mat and their coach is there and they've been wrestling, you know, two three hours a day with their coach, you know, something like that. So I'm trying to step up her training as best I can, but it's hard because it's pandemic, man. It's crazy. I have three other kids that are that need me. I have to work constantly because everybody's worried about their business right now, justifiably so, the economy. So I'm working crazy hours, seven days a week, and it's hard to maintain the edge of your children right now. I know some parents are giving up. They're just saying, you know, the next couple months are not going to be good, and my child's going to have to make it up maybe in summer or whatever. By the way, our summer camp's coming up real soon. Guys, it's going to be amazing. In the mountains, totally safe. Going to have all the students tested for COVID on my on my property. You know, before they step on my property, I have a plan to have a safe and awesome summer camp. We're waiting for the guidelines from the state of Vermont, but we are very optimistic right now. We have a lot of signups. And actually, I'm getting flooded with signups this week from many families who are actually moving to our area in Vermont. They want to get out of the city. And this is very exciting for me to see families coming. Maybe they're going to stay the whole summer and train with me because they're renting a house. They're they're moving out, out, out of urban areas into a lot of people want to come to Vermont because we have almost no COVID here. And I see that I see that there's going to be a surge in, in camp science. I think we're going to be sold out every week pretty soon. I think we're going to get a big surge as we get closer to June right now. I'm already starting to get the inquiries after just crickets. Like the first, like March and April, which is typically a pretty hot summer camp sign-up time, was just no, nothing. Everyone was just surviving, you know, coronavirus. And now... I'm starting to see my emails, my phone started to light up a lot as we're getting, you know, we're starting to get into mid-May and June. And people are realizing that Vermont is a great place to spend the summer because it's very safe here. But we're going to make it extra safe. We're going to test our students. We're testing all our staff. And we have a plan to to make the the academy um, a really, really positive experience for the kids that need to train this summer. They need to get their hours on the court. They need to get back to some sense of normalcy. So I'm excited about summer. Wanted to share that with you guys. What else? Yeah, we were saying about the volume during pandemic time has to be way up. It's hard for us parents to get. It. It's hard for coaches to get. It. That's why coaches can can help. They can try to stay connected with their students via Zoom or via uh Text or social media, and, and try to encourage their students to train more if they're not able to do their their sport-specific training. So in this case, tennis, if you're not able to get to the court, you got to really jack up your physical conditioning. And I don't I don't know that my a lot of my students have done it. You know, they they've done the minimum to stay in some sort of shape, but it's not going to be good when they hit the courts coming back. I think they're going to be sucking wind, and their skills have gonna their skills are 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 going to be somewhat deteriorated, because it really should be, during pandemic, i say three hours a day minimum. You do your online school, why can't you do it? You have online school, and then as soon as online school's over, you do one hour of your sports skill training, in this case tennis, at least... You can do it at home with iCoach or the great base backboard. You know, you can you can do your your repetitions. You got to get some reps in. We're talking about how many balls you have to hit. Who knows how many balls you have to hit per week per, per I'll answer the question in a minute. But you got to you got to do reps with your with your racket. You got to hit a ball. You can do that at home. There's no excuse here. And then you got to do a good amount of cardio. That's probably another hour. And then you got to do a good amount of working out. Gym, legs, up body, injury prevention, core, maybe some flexibility, mobility. You know, so for me, at a minimum, the pandemic training is, is three hours a day. You know, those three things are essential. And I don't see a lot of players doing that. You know, they're They're lucky if they jump on a treadmill a little bit or they they hit the gym a couple times a week, and they feel like they're doing a good job staying in shape, and I think that's an illusion. So let's see what Ben said. Ben Sterner, the legend, the legendary Ben Sterner. Sunday night, baby, we're back. Ben says, it's like your kid in the spelling bee. Same discipline goes into this and competitiveness in thinking about what the top performers and champions are doing. Ben Sterner says, even Tommy Paul was sucking wind in that UTR event this past weekend. Barely could finish his match. Even pro players who aren't playing and trying to get back, it's a new game. Like I said, cardio is king. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with my students via Zoom. Like we do a nice Zoom session and I say to them, so what did you do this week for your fitness? And they say, well, I lifted weights three times. Okay, that's good. Nice job. Did you did you go running? Did you hit the treadmill? Did you do the bike? That's what you need both. It's not one or the other. You need to get stronger. Did you do yoga? Did you get dead flexible? Did you did you work on your your hip mobility? I did some bench press and biceps. (laughs) <laughs> you know you know how the kids do it. I did a lot of ben- did a lot of dumbbell curls. You know, my bench press is improving, but you know the the training should be sports specific. God know, you need cardio, you need strength and conditioning. you need all that stuff, and you need to be swinging the racket. and I prefer hitting a ball at home rather than shadow swing. I think shadow swinging. it's okay. it's like shadow boxing, and you know I like boxing. Shadow swing is okay, but it's better if you have the ball to strike. So with the eye coach or with the great base backboard. You you gotta have the sensation of hitting the ball, working on the spacing with the ball. It's a lot more interesting and it and I think it's more valuable at home if you're if you're locked down. But I mean I I would I mean I can get on an eye coach, I can do two hours in my living room on an eye coach, and I'll tell you. I don't know about you guys, but I know how to train at home, and I can get a very nice workout on that thing. The great base backboard is also excellent. Steve Smith, the legendary coach, he promotes that backboard, and it's good. I like that, too. It's just a little too big for most of my New York City families. It doesn't fit in an apartment. You know, the iCoach fits in an apartment, so it's really good. You can get some reps in. Is it as good as playing tennis? no. But it's, it's good for what it is. You know, it helps you get those repetitions that you need. I think hitting on a wall is an amazing workout if you know how to do it right. I should do a show on how to hit against the wall. Maybe I'll do that next week because I think it's a tremendous workout and it's highly underrated. Not many people use the wall anymore. You can do some amazing things against the wall and the wall never misses, Wally never loses. So I I think the wall is another device, very simple device, simple piece of technology that is highly underrated and underused, underutilized, an excellent way to train. But you got to know how to train against the wall and most people don't have a clue. I see people practicing tennis against the wall and they're getting worse. I promise you I see it all the time. They're getting worse on the wall. Footwork's getting worse. Strokes getting worse. They look bad. So you can make a, a wonderful wall practice too if you have access to a wall. That's another option. I know a professional player who's doing that right now, training against the wall. They can't get to the court. They train, get a nice workout against. I used to do workouts against the wall, but you got to be smart about it. You got to know how to do it. Anyway, so let's get to the email grab bag. I see my old. Coach Gilad Bloom is watching. What's up, Gilad? Ooh, I have this option to bring you on camera now. Ooh, this is a new Facebook Live feature. We got to do that sometime. I won't put you on the spot tonight, but this is interesting. I can bring Ben Sterner on the line here. Wow. My old college coach Dave Schwartz is watching. What's up, Dave? Brings back the Cornell days. Good guy. Gilad Bloom is trying to survive like me lot of independent coaches struggling right now doing everything they can to survive. But let me tell you, if I had to bet money on survival, I would put my money on Gilad Bloom and figure out a way to survive right now. I'm sure he's figuring it out. So I had a really good question in the mailbox. Like I said, from the Payers and Players podcast, I'll plug them one more time. Let's see what the question was, and I will do my best to duly answer. Hey, Chris, it's Scott from Payers and Players. Hope you're doing well. Got a question for the show. Do you recommend a minimum or target number of balls to hit per day or week? Is there a standard used by the Spanish method? Saddlebrook Academy says 500,000 balls a year. Ooh, that's a lot. How did they come up with that number? And others say 3,000 a day. Curious to hear your thoughts. Okay, so I will tell you that I was an English major in co- college at Cornell. <laughs> English and literature. And math is something that I'm definitely I'm good at, but it's definitely not uh, my greatest strength in life, I think. I'm better at hitting a tennis ball. But how can you see connection problem there? Now we're back. Okay, so in terms of the number of balls per week, for me it's just an ex. Exor- this is an exercise in futility. It's it's just uh, like a, a parlor discussion. It's not it's not important. Now you could try to you could try to measure it. I'm sure uh, someone who with a, a mathematics background could could do some type of uh, averaging. Uh, You could do a study on it probably to find out. I would find it curious to know. But to me, it it all comes down to the individual. And for me, coaching is like a personal relationship where you're constantly monitoring a kid. And it, it doesn't quite work like mathematically like that. But I'm sure there's a more mathematically minded coach or parent who could do crunch the numbers and come up with a rubric a guide a guidance so 500,000 balls a year 3,000 a day there's definitely not a metric like that in Spain because Spain is the most anti mathematics anti technology place you can find for tennis training like they 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 really try to keep it simple in general in Spain they 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 are you know what? I, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say that anymore. They're very technical or technologically oriented in terms of their fitness development, which is kind of interesting. Like the fitness is, is very advanced and they use a lot of the cutting edge modern technology. But in my travels in Spain, most of the legendary coaches are not data guys. They're not mathematically, quantitatively oriented guys. They are more just amazing, charismatic, visionaries. And so maybe that will change in Spain but but in terms of the Spanish method the, the legendary coaches whom I've spent time with they're not mathematically driven like that. They're not mathematically wired. They're not quants. This is like a quantitative question that I I don't think I have a good answer to. It might be helpful to have some guidelines like that in terms of how many balls hit for your child, but again, it comes down to... uh, The the biggest thing it's going to come down to is is how much talent do they have. We've talked about this on a previous podcast. If a kid is more talented, we can also talk about what is talent. I did a really interesting podcast on what is talent. i have to look back and see which episode that was, but that was a very popular podcast. But... In terms of talent, if if a kid is very, very talented, they need to hit fewer balls per year or fewer balls per week. And so if a kid is less talented, less gifted motorically, I would say they need to hit more balls per week. So in terms of the math, that to me is the most important guidance you can have. If the kid is very, very gifted, they may not need to hit as many balls or play as many days or play as many hours, you know. And if a kid is is uh, less gifted, you're going to have to ramp it up and hope they don't get injured. You have to be very careful about injury with those kids, but you have, you're going to have to take a little more risk to try to get them the, the quantity of balls that they need. And also, I don't even know how you could measure balls per year. Does that include serve? We have a question here from... A new viewer, Axel, about serves. How many serves should you hit a week? And that, again, is a difficult question to answer because uh, some kids can serve 100 per day or 200 per day and have no risk of shoulder injury, and some kids maybe need to serve just every other day because they have a delicate shoulder or they need to serve maybe only 50 serves a day or just one bucket, one basket, so it, I find it really hard to quantify, and I'm not a quant per se. So I'd be very curious to see what a, a truly quantitative mind, how a truly quantitative mind would answer this, like a a sports scientist, like a Dr. Mark Kovacs, or you know, someone who's a, a mathematician by nature or by or by by training. And it would be interesting to me to see some estimates and to use maybe those as guidelines. How about for the serve? Like Axel's asking, how much should you serve? I will tell you that Tony Nadal doesn't believe in a lot of serving because he believes it puts the shoulder at risk. So someone like that would believe in less serves per day and per week. He, Tony Nadal advises to only serve 20 at a time with rest in between. 20 serves, that's not a lot. So he's very very conservative in his serve recommendation for for juniors for junior and, and professionals. So you can take a break and then serve another 20, but he's very he's adamant about taking um, no more than 20 serves at a time. He talks about it all the time in his training courses. I'm I'm studying with him now in in some of his online courses which are wonderful and he 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 reiterates and he insists twen- no more than 20 serves at a time which I find very interesting. I think it's a quite a low number. I've discussed it with Mark Kovacs, who is a friend of mine, a really smart sports scientist, and he says maybe 60 to 80 serves at a time is a, a relatively safe number to work with. That's maybe a, a, a basket, uh, a, a small basket or a small bucket, 60 to 80 serves. If you start going over that and serving consecutively over 60 or 80 balls, I think I agree with Mark Kovacs that that is probably you're taking on more and more risk for less benefit at that stage. So if you figure 60 or 80 serves a day times six days a week, what's that? Maybe 500 serves a week. You know, maybe it's a good guideline, but you know, we can do these numbers and crunch them. It it, it is interesting to me. I, I like I like to have the guidance. I don't know how Saddlebrook came up with 500 balls a year. Maybe they did some some rough numbers with their students, 3,000 a day. It's important. It's important to hit a lot of balls. I think the idea of of getting to the mathematical heart of training is, is interesting because. In many ways, you need you do need to hit a certain amount of balls to get good at tennis. They have to be quality balls. They have to be with focus and engagement. But it's interesting to me. I, I don't have a direct answer, but I'd like to learn more. I'd like to talk to some folks who are a little more quantitative than I am and leverage their opinion and their training on this type of question. So I'm sorry, Scott. It's the best I can I can give you. I don't use that as a guideline for me. I, I like hours. I, I think hours per week is a little easier for me to, to try to as a rough gauge. But to actually track, how would you even track it in terms of, of, uh, in terms of assisting your, your – that's why I said it's kind of a parlor discussion in some, some ways because how would you even track it? You would need some advanced technology with a sensor and an app to track all of the hits. It would be difficult to track, I think. you know it would take a lot of data data analysis and and a lot of logging of, of hits. you know it would be very labor intensive, so maybe it won't become a good metric until the technology is there and we're able to to log the the, the hits you know with with the sensor technology now it's becoming possible that you could feasibly. You know, log the amount of swings per day, the amount of balls hit per day. You could probably do it now if you censored the racket and then collected the data. So it, it, maybe it's an in, uh, a, a forthcoming metric, a metric for the future. But right now, probably the easiest metric is how many hours per day, how many hours per week with good focus, with engagement, you know, and, and whatever, how many balls that equals is probably enough and at the end of the day, you need to see a. If you're going to use a quantitative analysis, you're looking for the trend of UTR. You're looking for the steady rise in UTR of your player, and that is a way of working backwards and saying, "Okay, we are hitting enough balls. We are playing enough hours." You're looking for the rise, a steady rise in UTR. So I think that it, those are ways of getting around the more complicated question of how many exact balls to hit per day or per week or per year and maybe with the advance of technology and and uh, sensor technolo- sensor sensors and data collection and computer technology we can more easily calculate the numbers but it's definitely a a question for the for for the future i think not not a very helpful guide for us coaches in the trenches or parents because it's difficult to track. I think hours and, and observing a UTR improvement is probably a much better metric to use in terms of figuring out how much your kids should train. So, guys, I hope you thought that was helpful. Please consider sharing the show. Thank you for your waves and your thumbs up. It's great to be back. I'm super excited. I'm here in Vermont getting the summer camp going. Very excited about that. I'm doing a lot of Zoom training right now. Speaking of hours per week and elite training, I have a new elite training program that I'm very excited about. More news to come, but it's an opportunity for players from around the world, around the country, to come to my club and train with me short term or long term, and the goal is 25 hours per week. So that is to me the gold standard. You see, I came out right in between the 20 or 30 recommendation that I mentioned earlier. So I'm working on a new elite competition team, just a small group of players, maybe four to six players maximum, who can train with me 25 hours a week at my club. Uh, I think going to get some kids i already have some interest and that to me is the gold standard and that doesn't include fitness fitness will be another probably 10 hours but it's not very spanish is it fitness should be a little higher but but uh, i will start with that a pretty good amount of training 25 hours i think with 25 hours of personal training with me you're going to get a hell of a lot better and what i want to do i have a goal to try to build out some gold ball winners from my, from my club. You know, I would like to develop a few kids who are competing for gold balls at the national level, and then, of course, moving on to the international level. I've had some kids who have come quite close and, and have competed well at nationals, making you know, quarterfinals and things like that, but I really would like some gold ball winners. So that is something for me on the horizon I'm kind of excited about. And what else? I'm doing a lot of Zoom training right now. I'm really, I really believe I'm I'm leading the online field in terms of synchronous training. I don't know anyone who's doing Zoom lessons like I am with the iCoach, connecting into people's living rooms, into people's houses, and and really making Im- important progress in a player's technique and especially footwork. I do a lot of footwork training, which I think is very is is, it it can be done remotely. Some things can't be done. I mean, you can't work with an advanced player on tactics remotely in their home. It has to be on the court. I'm starting to do more lessons like that where you take me on mobile to your court and I can coach a player through the mobile connection, through the mobile phone uh, via zoom. And that is, that is, that is a little different, but that's another way. I'm really into this idea of, of developing and innovating in the remote training field. So, Stay tuned for more on that. I'll I'll share with you my experiences on Zoom. Actually, that would be the fodder for an excellent show coming up. Maybe episode 40, we'll talk about ways you can train on Zoom. I'll share with you my experiences on Zoom. Uh, what has been going well through online coaching, what is, is more difficult, the challenges, the, the positives and negatives. I think that would make for a really interesting show because I think in many ways I'm innovating online and I'd like to share some of my experiences. I think it would be fun for me and, and also educational for, for parents and coaches. I'll, I'll give you a quick um, taste of, 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 of one aspect of online training as I found there are some people who just won't train online. They don't believe in training online. They think it's a waste of time. There's definitely a cohort. There's a group of folks out there who are so anti-technology, anti... Uh, maybe they're Luddites. You know, they're, they're, they're Luddites. You know, they, they, they don't believe in the power of technology. They, they, and they don't think they should pay for it either, by the way. And, and then, there, then, on the other hand, there's a group of people who are early adopters, early adapters, they're they're open-minded, they're growth-minded, they're technologically savvy and oriented, and they're really into the idea of online training, especially synchronous online training. And so I found that you just have to know who you're working with. If you're dealing with a family who's in the Luddite, uh, on the Luddite side of things, then just forget it. You know, luddites are people that just don't—they're very anti-technology, and and they're just not going to get it. They're not going to believe in it, and they're certainly not going to pay you what you what you what you're worth online. And and then there's another group who really are into the idea of—they're uh, they're into the, the futuristic uh, training. You know, being on the cutting edge, doing something innovative. They 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 like being part of that, and and many of them are willing to pay for your time you know it's it's very intensive to do a a good lesson over zoom you know some parents think that they get the impression that as a coach you're just sitting on your butt you know you know doing nothing in a zoom lesson but it's actually quite uh time consuming it it is uh, energy draining and i know we'll talk more about that on the next show i think it'll be a great show we'll talk about synchronous training asynchronous training it'll be a cool show so let's save that for episode 40, guys. little foreshadow there. I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, I appreciate the audience of this show very much. I'm so sorry we weren't able to broadcast in the last month. But now we're back. Hey, it's pandemic, baby. But you know what I say? Champions never make excuses. I shouldn't be making any excuses either, pandemic or not. We got, we got to keep the show rolling. The show must go on. So we'll go for episode 40 next week. Guys, have a great night. As always, in this case, during the crisis, be safe. Hope you're all healthy. God bless. I'll see you next week.
0: We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris chrislewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Vamos.